Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. In 2018, a group of friends, we went to go watch the championship game for the NCAA women's mm-hmm. basketball. And we go into this bar, it's pretty empty. And we're just like, hey, can you change the channel? And they're like, oh, no problem. But they put us in the corner on the smallest TV, which was totally fine. And we proceeded to watch what ended up being like one of the best games of all time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Arike hits this game winning shot at the buzzer. To finish off this comeback oh from behind, God. we all just lost it. And we just mm-hmm. were high-fiving. And we were the only ones in the entire bar that were celebrating. And as we were leaving, my friends and I, we were just saying goodbye. And I was just like, that was the best game I've ever seen. And one of my friends said it would have been so much better if the sound had been on. It was at that moment that it really clicked. And right then, I said, the only way we're ever going to watch a women's sports game in its full glory is if we had our own place. Welcome to Modern Minorities. This is a show about work and life, told through the lens of what makes each of us different. I'm Sharon Lee Tony, a Chinese-American girl born and raised in New York City. And I'm Raman Segal, an Indian-American boy who came from Alabama with a banjo on my knee. Through conversations with some really interesting people, we uncover the stories, perspectives, and often unspoken truths about how our guests uniquely experience the world. It doesn't matter where you're from, the color of your skin, or who you love. We're all minorities somehow, but we're no one's model minority. This is a show about all of you, for all of us. On today's show, we're talking to longtime OG friend of the pod, Melissa Hutton, who it says here is Canadian? Yeah, I guess that's true. (laughs) Melissa, welcome back (laughs) to the show. Um, Since it seems like Sharon had a quote-unquote sore throat, which is code for she's standing Mm. in line at her local multiplex to catch a double screening of the next Barbenheimer Saw Patrol. (laughs) Is that a real thing? It is. It it is when famous podcasters make it a thing. Okay, I guess not a real thing then. (laughs) Also true. (laughs) So Melissa, what's up? Like, we've been trying to get you back on the show to help out i feel like we talked about this you you subbed in for me more than a few times when i was catching dune or something <laughs> but I, then, then various films. yeah then we're trading emails and you're like oh i can't wait to help i'm not here i'm traveling and as a person with children who does not travel anymore i am very jealous where in the world have you been oh my gosh i feel like carmen san diego i don't know if that's a relevant reference anymore but it is to our let's audience. roll with it, it. Is to our uh okay great <laughs> So uh, I've been in Europe a couple of times, went to France, I went to the UK, I went to New Orleans, I still dream about the oysters, and honestly, just the food in New Orleans in general, and probably places that I'm forgetting, but all in all, just just been hanging out, been to New York. Is this just just for fun? Is this for work? Is this you living your best life? I think column A, column B, a bit of work, a bit of play, you know, everything's about balance, so... I try to bring in both, and I started a little newsletter called Solo Stories, where I kind of recap very lackadaisically what goes on, but uh, it's been fun to do various things in various parts of the world. I want to subscribe to that so I can live vicariously through you. 
Yes, happy to you know share. Well, okay. So since Sharon's not here, and you're one of our favorite guest co-hosts, which awesome guests oh, wow. are you pitch hating for with us? So we can be like the Daily Show and kind of continue to expand our roster of modern minorities co-hosts and correspondents. Oh my gosh! Wow. Well, I am here to tell you that you can, you know, breathe a sigh of relief, take you know the day off. I know you're a parent, so hopefully that means sleeping in a little bit. But I actually have another podcast that I want to tell you about. Okay, okay, that's right. Because you're not just a fellow independent podcast voice. You actually have a day job as a big time podcast producer. So what's the deal? What's the show? I mean, big time is generous, but thank you. Uh, So basically, I am a producer on a show called Rebound Revolution. And in essence, this is a show that is about the WNBA. And I mean, if you're not in North America, you might not know what that acronym stands for, but it is the Women's National Basketball Association. But instead of just focusing on sports, it's really about the intersections that the WNBA managed to touch on as a league that's filled with women and gender nonconforming folks, uh, the ways that you can look at pay equity, sponsorship, activism, queerness. And so it's been really awesome to bring this show to life and work with Dr. Money, who is the host and is actually a family and relationship therapist by day and a huge WNBA fan. So honestly, we just have a lot of fun having really cool conversations. I, uh, well, first I learned that it's fans call it the W, which that's kind of cool because. Yeah. Do they do that? (laughs) Yeah. All right. (laughs) They do. (laughs) I'm not a sports ball fan, right? And I listen to the show because I, I want to listen to the things my friends are working on. And when you kind of gave me the so, so-called logline about the show, it's like, oh, this is bigger than just being a sports ball show. And again, I'm not a sports ball fan. And I really had fun <laughs> listening to the episode you, you shared and you're here to share. And and now you guys are up for an award, right? Yes. And I didn't even have to pay you to say that. That's so exciting. Um, so basically, yes. The premise of the show is that obviously... It is based in sports, but it is really about bringing in conversations that anybody can feel engaged in. So we are actually up for a Signal Award, and it's a Listener's Choice Award. So very American Idol vote for me, but uh, essentially it's a Listener's Choice Award, which means that people can vote to help us win. That's awesome. So yeah, we'll um, make sure... First of all, guys, listen to the rest of this episode and decide for yourselves. But we're going to put a link to Rebound Revolution, the show, in the show notes. We're also going to put a link to where you can go vote. you got to register. But when I went to vote, you guys were in the lead. Now, I don't know if that's changing day by day, but, like, we need to give this show the MM bump. So, like, (laughs) like, literally, you know, just trust us. You like Melissa. You like me. Quickly hit the link in the show notes. But if you're in a rush, go to vote.signalaward.com. And it'll show you all the categories, but you want to find the LGBTQ category and search for Rebound Revolution. It's a great show. But again, after you listen to it in just a second, you're going to love it. And you're going to have to vote for it because we want Melissa to win and be famous and all sorts of shit. (laughs) But trust us, there's a link in the show notes. Yes, that much I can agree with. (laughs) So Melissa, you know, I asked you, I was like, hey, well, is there an episode you want to feature? I'd love you to set this episode up because you sent me an episode about Jenny Wynn in Portland and her sports bra. And I read the title. I was like, huh? I guess, okay, I want to do an episode (laughs) about sports bras. I need to learn. I'm open-minded. But it's about a bar, an inclusive sports bar, which as someone who, you know, not into sports ball, will occasionally go watch the occasional college football game. I'm not a fan of these spaces as much as maybe I should be. But 
I want to go to this bar. I want one of these in New York. Like, tell me about Jenny Wen. Yeah. So that's the thing is Jenny did something really unique. And in this conversation, she talks about creating the sports bra, which she makes a distinction about that is not a women's sports bar, but it's a bar for women's sports. And so essentially, as with many great things, it wasn't something that she set out to do, but she really understood that there was not only an appetite, but a real need for a space for people to just be able to come and celebrate women's sports, but also have an environment to hang out that doesn't always feel like, you know, some of the general sports bars feel. So I really love this conversation. And I really think, you know, as we think about I mean, I'm Canadian, as we know, in Toronto, and there's a lot of loss of physical space. And that is so important for community building. And so it was really cool and important to just hear about how someone felt that loss or felt that need and was like, I'm going to make something happen like brick and mortar. And so Jenny was super chill. The conversation was great. And yeah, I want to go to the sports bra. I feel like it could totally become a chain like sports bra, Applebee's rivalry for, <laughs> I don't know, television dominance. I don't know. <laughs> well, you know, what I, what I also, I, I loved hearing about her journey and how she got there. And that's kind of, you know, what we try yes. to do on this show. So it felt very much like uh, a modern minorities episode. And I just loved kind of the personal way the host, Dr. Money, kind of led that conversation. I can't wait to go listen to more of her conversations because it really gets to the heart of the why and like where we're coming from and where we need to go. And yeah, I just, yeah, I want a sports bra in New York, <laughs> but I think you guys are going to love this episode, but don't forget to go vote for Rebound Revolution at vote.signalaward.com. We'll put the link in the show notes. But yeah, Melissa, we hope you'll actually come back. Yeah, I think that'll be fun. Well, I mean, if uh, we win an award, I don't know if I'll be available. Joking. But I'll always be available for you. But <laughs> but the, the rate's going to be a little bit higher. <laughs> the rate's going to be increased a little. <laughs> well, uh, 10 times zero is still zero. So. It's still zero. That's the math I can do. So, <laughs> Well, sit back. We hope you're going to enjoy this episode of Rebound Revolution with Jenny Wen. And you're going to learn all about her sports bra. This is Rebound Revolution, a not-so-basketball podcast bringing you the revolutionary on and off the court happening in the WNBA. From queer baddies to history to ones to watch, join me, Money, as we get into it all. This week, I'm joined by Jenny Wynn. We talk amazing spaces to watch sports how important community is in making women's sports possible. And is Portland low-key the best city for a new WNBA team? So this is the thing is like, I open the sports bra and everybody's like, of course, traditional sports bars for decades have been failing a large majority of people. So everyone's not having the best experience. We're all there out of convenience or whatever. It's always kind of in the back of everyone's minds. Okay, can we talk about how sports bars are not it? They are not cute. They're sticky. They're rinky. They're dinky. They don't feel like spaces I can be comfortable in, you know, maybe even roll up in some cute sweats and just watch a game. And I often wonder, like, how much more folks might be into sports if sports bars felt like welcoming spaces. 
I've never really spent a lot of time in sports bars because they are sticky. And even thinking of going to a local sports bar to watch a game makes my shoulders tense up and my teeth clench. I think this happens because whenever I envision a sports bar, I don't envision a cute space that I could float into with my rhinestone basketball purse, find a comfy seat, ask the bartender for a colorful mocktail, and watch the women's basketball game that is already on a monitor when I get there. I've tried to kind of makeshift these dream sports bar vibes at like Applebee's or Buffalo Wild Wings by inviting a whole bunch of friends to watch a game. But before going, I always have to call ahead to do all I can to like ensure our comfort in the space. And even after all of that effort, they would never have women's games on. And asking staff of sports bars to put on a WNBA game always feels like I'm making a statement. I'm not. I just want to watch the players that I love outside of the comfort of my own home, but still feel comfortable. I guess what I'm trying to say is I have yet to experience a sports bar as a safe space. I know the phrase safe space gets used a lot, but what I mean is an environment where I can just do what it is that I'm there to do and not be concerned with actively protecting one or more parts of my identity from discrimination, harassment, or any other harm. In the today of things, I'd like to have this kind of space to watch W games. I want to be able to feel comfortable watching a game someplace other than my couch when I can't make it to a game in person. I want somebody to compliment my rhinestone basketball purse. With women's basketball only growing in popularity, the sports viewing spaces of my dreams are popping up. And I'm sure it's only a matter of time before we see a wave of new ways to watch together. Okay, y'all, just a quick heads up with the audio. Jenny was joining us from the basement of the sports bra. So if there's a little glitch... Please forgive us. We're just thankful that she can be on and be with us. What up, Jenny? Thank you so much for being here with me. Thanks for having me, Money. This is awesome. Of course. This feels like a little surreal of a moment because it was like I was just reading about your bar opening and now I'm sitting here talking to you. So (laughs) it feels surreal for me as well. Don't worry. Yeah. So do you have a team? Like who's your WNBA team to watch? You know what? I don't have a team. I love I love all of the players so much. And that's just yeah. what everybody represents. So yeah, I'm all about the W though. Everything, all the above. I also hardcore root for underdogs. So whoever the underdog is, I'm for that. I'm Same. For okay. So this like <laughs> per game, you root for the mm-hmm. underdog? Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. One might say I'm rooting for like the perpetual underdog because I'm an Indiana Fever fan. Ooh, yeah. okay. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good one. That's a good one. All right. Do you have a favorite piece of like sports merch or memorabilia? Ooh, that's a great question. Uh, the first one that comes to mind is my aunt from Minneapolis. She's a quilter. Uh, mm-hmm. She made me a quilt of Brandy Chastain that hangs in the bra. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Do you have it like framed? Oh, no, it's or, just hanging it's loose. Just hanging? <laughs> We're just a bar over here. We don't we don't have too many things framed. Yes. It's just loose hanging up there. <laughs> just loose. So to give folks a little bit of context, what is the bra? <laughs> so the bra, that's what familiar folks call it. The sports mm-hmm. bra is the world's first women's sports bar. And so 
a bar for women's sports, not a sports yeah. bar for women. That often gets confused. So uh, we're dedicated solely to women's sports. So everything on TV is women's sports all the time. Uh, everything on the walls is, uh, you know, memorabilia, autograph stuff, mm-hmm. posters, flags, all from women's teams, that kind of stuff. Amazing. This is so wild because I think maybe like two weeks ago, one of my friends saw an article about the sports bra and sent it to me and was like, I think I would watch sports if there was a place like this around here. (laughs) Right. I mean, we've gotten a lot of new fans, I would Mm -hmm. say. People who come in all the time say that they've never Mm -hmm. watched sports or never had an interest in watching sports. But, you know, we created a space that people feel comfortable and they feel safe and they feel like a sense of belonging and not like intimidating like some other sports bars can be. And so uh, just a great place to like introduce yourself to the world of sports if you want to. Yeah. So it's a women's sports bar, not a sports Mm -hmm. bar for women. That's correct. Right. So what kind of sparked this idea to create a space like this? Yeah. Okay. So I've played basketball my entire life. Mm -hmm. And so almost everyone I know, love and care about is either directly or indirectly through basketball. Mm -hmm. And so as I got older, you know, my friends and I, we would always go out to eat, go to a bar or something before or after our practice of games. And we'd typically want to go watch some women's sports and basketball was like our big thing. So especially during like the NCAA tournament, or just regular season games, or WNBA, those kinds of things. And we would just gather together, either a group of a couple of us, or like a big group. And we would always have trouble finding the games on at a sports bar. Yep. And sometimes we would ask, and they would be fine with it, and they'd change the channel, no big deal. And then sometimes we'd come in, and the place would be packed, and there'd be like 100 TVs, and we'd ask them to change one channel. And it was like, no, we can't do it. There's too many people watching this mm-hmm. other men's game. So it was always a little bit of a challenge, but that was like only one aspect of it. There's Mm -hmm. always been a feeling of everything from like uncomfortable to like unsafe as a person. You know, my friend group is pretty diverse. You know, we got people of color, we got queer folks, we got non-binary folks. And not only that, but we've got people who are vegan, vegetarian, gluten-free, dairy-free. And when we all get together and we try to go to a sports bar to watch a game, all of these things, they combine. And so everyone's not having the best experience. We're all there Mm -hmm. out of convenience or whatever. And so it's always kind of in the back of everyone's minds. So this is the thing is like, I open the sports bra and everybody's like, of course, you know, like traditional sports bars for decades have been failing a large majority of people. people. They've been failing most people. They've been failing most people. I think we all know it deep down, but it hasn't come to the forefront until like a space that's not opposite, but a space that fills those needs has opened in the sports bra. So I think in the back of my mind, like I've always kind of thought it and it's always been there, but there was just kind of this one key moment when in 2018, a group of friends of mine and I, we went to go watch the finals, the championship game for the NCAA women's Mm -hmm. basketball. And same story. We go into this bar and there's, I think there's only like maybe eight or nine other people in there and they're all watching, I think, baseball. Yeah. So we go in there, it's pretty empty and we're just like, hey, can you change the channel? And they're like, oh, no problem. But they put us like in the corner of this restaurant on the smallest mm-hmm. TV, which was totally fine. And we proceeded to watch what ended up being like one of the best games of all time, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Arike hits this game winning shot at the buzzer. <laughs> 
to finish off this comeback oh from behind. It was like a 23-point deficit or something like that. Anyway, we all just lost it. And we just mm-hmm. were high-fiving. And, you know, we were the only ones in the entire bar that were celebrating this game, watching this game and celebrating this game. And as we were leaving, you know, my friends and I, we were just saying goodbye. And I was just like, that was the best game I've ever seen. And one of my friends said it would have been so much better if the sound had been on. And I think it was at that moment that it really clicked that we had just watched this incredible dramatic game. And the sound was on this like regular season baseball game. And right then I, you know, out of frustration, I said, the only way we're ever going to watch a women's sports game in its full glory is if we had our own place. Mm -hmm. And I said it, I didn't mean anything by it. I didn't mean like I was going to go and open it myself. And this was in 2018. So I was just like, whatever. I was unemployed at the time. So I didn't have Mm -hmm. like any ambition to do anything. But Shortly after that, I think I was driving around town. And I was just like, mm, if we had our own place that played women's sports, what would we call it? And the very first name that came to mind was the sports bra. <laughs> and as soon as I thought it, I couldn't unthink it because it was just so funny and so catchy. It's really funny. Yeah, it's so <laughs> funny. And then like right after that, I was like, I have the motto. It's going to be we support women. And I just mm. thought it was like, it was like my inside joke. You know what I mean? <laughs> And it got to the point where my girlfriend and I, we would joke about the sports bra whenever Mm -hmm. like a regular sports bar or restaurant kind of failed us. You know, we were just like, oh, at the sports bra, gymnastics would be on or, (laughs) oh, at the sports bra, we'd have vegan cheese for our nachos or like on and on and on. And so it was just like this running joke for years. And then. (laughs) And then, yeah. Because like. I think a lot of times, like when you live on the margins, you have these moments, right? Of like mm-hmm. what feels like a duh or like an obvious thing that should exist, but doesn't. Mm-hmm. Um, and yep. so it totally makes sense to have these running jokes. But then you actually did it, though. So my only career ever was as a chef. I've mm-hmm. been cooking in kitchens for a little over 15 years. And I was probably working anywhere between 75 and 120 hours a week. Oh my goodness. What? Yeah. I mean, it's hashtag chef life. There's like no rest. So I wasn't seeing my friends or my family or like participating in community at all, but I was getting paid really well. And I'd worked Mm -hmm. my way up. Like you start off as like a dishwasher or prep cook. And that's like your dream, right? Is to become the Mm -hmm. executive chef. And so I had reached my dream and I'd been doing it for a few years. And I was getting a little bit disillusioned with that particular job. I loved being a chef. So in 2015, I took a trip to Vietnam with my parents. And my parents fled Vietnam in 1975 to come here. And so I'm first-generation Vietnamese-American. And it was my first time going to Vietnam. We spent two weeks over there. That trip changed my worldview. I went there and I saw people doing everything as a community. Everything was communal. You know, nobody had doors or windows on their homes. It was just like open Mm -hmm. to the world. And they they basically went home to sleep. Everything else Mm -hmm. they did out on the street or with people, you know? So yeah, I went over there and I just had this like, Mm -hmm. oh my gosh, like I'm missing out on my friends, my family, like people having babies, my cousins, you know, like this community. And so Mm -hmm. I came back and I put in my notice and I didn't have a plan. I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that I wanted to kind of just reset and figure it out. So in 2015, mm-hmm. I put in my notice, which was a long notice. It's not like I just hung up the towel and was just like, bye. <laughs> uh, so I downsized my life too. So I also, when I went to Vietnam, I realized that people had very little, but they had tons of community. They had a lot of love and the less mm-hmm. physical things, the more they had to like give, it felt like. I mean, this this is all mm-hmm. as a traveler's, you know, 
perspective. Yeah. So I came back, I sold a bunch of stuff. I moved in with my girlfriend at the time and I rented out my house. And what ended up happening was I ended up making enough money renting out my house to pay all my bills. I live a pretty like, not like super Mm -hmm. expensive lifestyle. And so I didn't work for about five and a half years. I went from Mm -hmm. unemployed to opening the sports bra. What? And what ended up happening was in 2020, pandemic, right? Yeah. And the entire Mm -hmm. world felt like it was turned on its head. There was chaos, turmoil. Shit was happening everywhere. During that time, there was um, U.S. Women's National Team was fighting for equal pay. There was the murder of George Mm -hmm. Floyd. There was the tail end of the Me Too movement. Mm -hmm. And there was just a bunch of things that everybody was getting roiled up. And we were just We wanted to go back to our lives, but we didn't want to go back to normal. There was a lot of change happening. And that's what I wanted for myself. Mm -hmm. And so I was like racking my brain. I was like, okay, the only things I've ever been good at in my entire life have been basketball Mm -hmm. and cooking. And I was just like, I don't know where those two overlap at all. And so I'm kind of like pissed off at myself because I feel like I'm not contributing, right? And my girlfriend, she goes, hey, you know how you always joke about the sports bra? And I was like, yeah. And she goes, why don't you do that? And literally when she said it, I laughed in her face because for so long, it's just been, you know, this joke. And so I didn't see how something like that, like that idea or that concept had anything to do with what was happening in the world and how it could benefit, you know, but the more we talked about it, the more it like turned over in my head. And I was just like, Mm, at least it could bring something back to our community Mm because I was born and raised here in Portland. I mean, it was bad in Portland, but like not the way that the media portrayed it. You know, that's my hometown and to see my hometown constantly like bashed, Mm -hmm. it was really hard. And so I was like, okay, well, if we do open this, like at least we'll be bringing back some kind of positivity to the city. I just kept thinking about it, thinking about it. And the more I thought about it, the more it lived in my brain and then it like moved into my heart. And it got to the point where I was waking up thinking about it and going to bed thinking about it. You know what I mean? And so I knew there was a turning point when I have yeah. to make a decision. Because I'm also one of those people where I'm all in or I'm all out, for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. So I was like, okay, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to go all in. If I don't do this, I have to let it go. Like, when I was a chef, people asked me when I was going to open my own restaurant. I'd be like, Psh, get out of here. I don't love mm-hmm. anything enough to work that hard, you know? So I knew that owning my own business was going to be a challenge. All I was thinking about at the time was how my life was going to change, what I would have to sacrifice. And it just was like, oh, I don't know. You know, I'm so comfortable. But then when it got to to the part of like, okay, if if we're going to do this and we can do it for other people and it will make a difference for at least one person, community, community. then it'll be worth it. Mm -hmm. Like I can, I can work hard for that. And I was just like, okay, let's do this. I love that. Like the moment of action feeling like, okay, if I do something to bring positivity Mm -hmm. beyond myself, like what would that community space look like? I think as you talked about, you know, this like insurgent moment we found ourselves in, in 2020, it was a culture shift, right? It was like folks refusing to go back to doing work and also life the way we had prior. The status quo. Yeah. And like people had time off to do it, right? Um, But when I think so much about having marginalized identities, oppressed identities, like most of the spaces that we come together in are like spaces that feel painful, you know? So like at a protest, for example. But... 
then we have these faces of celebration. Like, I think about the sports bra as a communal space that is rooted in celebration. That's a great way of putting it. I have literally never heard anyone say it like that. And I, I feel like that just nails it right on the head. Like, mm-hmm. that's exactly it. It's not just about sports. I think it not just being about sports feels so integral to the way the sports bra came to be too because okay maybe correct me on this if my facts are a little off but it was partially like crowdfunded right like through a kickstarter campaign oh without the kickstarter it wouldn't be here i don't think like we needed that yeah so other people wanted this community space too right i think that story of funding really speaks to the community aspect of it as well for sure it would not be here without the kickstarter okay so Yes, community. You know, I'm a community-ass bitch. I love community spaces. (laughs) (laughs) But can you describe the, like, energy and the vibe on, like, a regular day at the sports bra? You know, in general, the vibes are immaculate. So we have a bunch of people here who have worked in bars and restaurants for a while, very skilled, and they have dealt with any number of, you know, things that happen when you're in the food service industry, Mm-hmm. service industry is particularly, you see some things. And they have all told me being here, working here, like we don't see hardly like I would say one fifth of the issues that a lot of other bars and restaurants see. We've built like a culture where people know what to expect when they come in. And they know mm-hmm. that like haters aren't going to be tolerated or like shenanigans aren't going to be tolerated. And so yeah. most people come in here so joyful and here to, just like you said, to celebrate with a community. And uh, what's cool is when I see people, particularly women coming in by themselves and feeling comfortable to just sit by themselves and like hang out at the bar Mm. and then meet other women that are sitting by themselves. And they talk about anything from sports to politics to like puppies or whatever. And it's just like, it feels really, really safe and not pretentious and You know, it's got this warm charm, too, is the kind of vibe Mm -hmm. that I wanted to build in. Some people have referred to it as like the cheers for women's sports. (laughs) Like you roll in and everybody knows your name, but not really. But it feels like you're home, kind of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. um, You know, that's what I've been picturing. (laughs) Just like with better scenery. But yeah. 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 That's really cool. (laughs) And then when you get like a game vibe, um, we have a max capacity of 50. So on game days or when there's a match about to happen, about an hour to an hour and a half before tip off, the bra starts to fill in and it is exciting. So it's one large room, not that large, but it's one room and everybody, that energy just builds and all Mm -hmm. eyes are on the TVs. We have sound on. (laughs) I mean, depending on what sport it is, people get crazy. Um, There's high fives, there's running around high fives, there's hugs, there's screaming, there's yelling at the TV, (laughs) there's booing. We have the Portland Thorns here in town. And so when there's a Thorns game, and I'm so my office is downstairs in the basement, which is where I'm at right now. When something happens, I know right away because they're pounding their feet on the floor. And it is just like an earthquake down here. And I'm just like, okay, something happened. It's like a, a very much communal vibes and just uh, one of the best moments for me from the past year, there's many, but one of them that sticks out in my mind is when we played uh, Serena Williams' last match. Oh, yes. Yeah. Oh, I just get goosebumps every time I think about it. Mm-hmm. The day before, I was just like, should we show this and like promote it on our socials and stuff? And I'm like, yeah, why not? Let's Let's make a day of it. And if she has another one, great. We'll make another day of it. 
So we decide to air it yeah. and we, we promote it a little bit and people start to file in. And as the match goes on, people are hearing about it. And so they, they come to the bra to watch it. Mm -hmm, and mm -hmm. we got to the point where we were like way past max capacity. And oftentimes we'll cut people off and just be like, okay, wait outside. Or we'll be, make sure that everybody who's inside the building has like a drink or is eating so that we're like getting some money, you know? But it got to the point where I didn't even yeah. care. I was like, mm -hmm. open the door, let everybody in as much as we can. So it was cram-packed. We left the front door open yeah. so that people were out on the tables in front. So people mm -hmm. on the sidewalks could see. There were people up on the windows, what? like with their hands like this to watch. <laughs> so it was like absolutely packed. And like we're on a major thoroughfare we're on Broadway. Mm -hmm. Even the traffic on the street started to slow down because people were congregating in front of the storefront. Yeah. And they're like, what's, what's happening, happening there? there? Right. Mm -hmm. I realized that like towards the end of the match, it was getting to be like the end. And so I ran downstairs and I got a couple boxes of tissues because I knew I was going to need them. I was just thinking, yes. who cried first? <laughs> <laughs> I'll, it, probably me. So I bring up a couple boxes of tissues just in case, you know, like when mm -hmm. there was volleying, I tell you what money, like you could have heard like a fry drop on the ground. Mm -hmm. It was so quiet. Everybody was so intently watching. And then when mm -hmm. Serena would score a point and like let out like her victory mm -hmm. yell, the entire bar let out a victory yell. It was like we were mm -hmm. there with her. Mm -hmm. And then when it did finally get the end and she started to talk about her family and Venus, I mean, it was like oh waterworks up in there. Uh -huh. And like people got out their phones. They were live streaming mm -hmm. from the bra. They were like mm -hmm. calling their friends and family, talking to them and telling them about how they watched it at the bra. Mm -hmm. Everybody was in this moment oh my gosh. that stuck with me, you know, and I thought to myself, I don't know if there's any other place on the planet, even at the U.S. Open where this is happening yeah. where this exact thing is happening yeah what i love about that is like okay so my issue with like you know the traditional sports bar is like i don't know like hostility and like agitation or whatever it's like palpable you can feel it and people talk about it as if that's necessary to have like this sports experience and it's not right you know like i think that's what i love about going to w games because you still get all of that energy, the roof being blown off the place when somebody scores or hits like an incredible shot. But it's not like the violent, like heckling that you get at other kind of sporting events, right? Okay. So I, when you say shenanigans will not be tolerated, I'm like, yes. You know what? I totally agree. And I've seen that here. Um, mm -hmm. And I've seen that at W Games or any other kind of like women's sporting events. I don't think that it's necessarily like it doesn't belong. Mm -hmm. Like I think that some level of like that aggression and that like trash talking and of like course. all of that yeah. stuff is fun. But it's definitely not necessary in all of yeah. it. That reminds me of a really cool moment that happened. So we uh, hosted a Sweet 16 watch party mm -hmm. with Buick and Together. And um, we took over the parking lot next door and Buick set up this huge VIP tent with like flat screens, stadium seating. It was rad. But there was this awesome moment. I can't remember who was playing, but it was Sweet 16 and it was getting down to the wire and the game was super, super tight. And this woman was shooting free throws. She was at the free throw line. Mm -hmm. And the very first free throw she shoots is an air ball. Mm -hmm. And the folks in the tent who were like rooting for the other team, they were like, oh, damn, she <laughs> air ball. They're just like talking smack, yeah. talking smack. And then like it goes to a timeout and it shows her on the bench crying mm. because she'd missed an air ball during this like really critical time. Yeah. And everybody's kind of like, oh, you know, like, mm. and then after the timeout, she subbed back in. Mm. 
Mm-hmm. And everybody thought that she was going to sit out the rest of the game. Yeah. And so when she subbed back in, the entire tent, who, no matter what team they were rooting for, they were cheering. And they were mm-hmm. like, get back in there, girl. And, and I'm not sure that would happen if you're watching a men's game. Right. And like, that was right. a moment for me. I was mm-hmm. like, that's what I'm talking about. That's like the camaraderie. There's like yeah. this, the underlying vibe of like being a woman in sports. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's this universal thing that binds us that's all, it. right? Yeah. And that that it goes beyond competition, that goes beyond jerseys, that it goes beyond money, that goes beyond sport. And and that moment reminded me of mm-hmm. of it all. Like what a beautiful thing. Mm-hmm. Like support. Yes. Support for women. Yeah. Right. It's like, of course, I'm competitive and I'm a trash talk you on the court. <laughs> right. You know, I'm I'm thinking about LSU's Angel Reese, you know? Uh-huh. Like, yes, you gonna you gonna get all this trash talk. Mm-hmm. But at the end of the day, like you're still like my sibling in this struggle of like, you know underrepresented gender sports you know <laughs> so it's like Love yes it. you're gonna get it when we competing but i still see you as like my community yeah talk that talk yeah. i love it exactly yeah people be like oh she's too loud i'm like get out with that no no yeah Mm-mm. it makes it spicy it gets people going you I know love it. i love it so much <laughs> Okay, so one thing I'm thinking, especially like since starting this podcast and my relationship to the W, is like when you start doing something for work that you love, it kind of like shifts your connection to it. Have you found that like running the sports bra has kind of changed your relationship to women's sports at all? Oh my gosh, I would say yes, a thousandfold, but all in the most magical, beautiful ways. Like for real. Yeah. I mean, whatever's happened with the sports bra has blown my mind. I mean, you guys watching it happen. I mean, just imagine that I'm experiencing the same thing. Like it is mind blowing (laughs) to me that it has garnered, you know, the the press that it has. And just the idea that it has resonated with so many people far and wide. I grossly underestimated what I was starting when I opened the doors Mm -hmm. to this place. That's usually what happens with (laughs) greatness. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, stop it. So do you think there's something special about the place of Portland that also adds to the magic of the sports bra? I do. You know, I'm very fortunate that this is my hometown. And so Mm -hmm. when I wrote my business plan, I had written that this was the first of its kind. And I felt like... If it didn't work in Portland, it wouldn't work anywhere on the planet. Why? What do you think makes Portland like the special space for this? (laughs) I mean, obviously hometown. (laughs) Ever since I was a kid, we've always been heavy supporters of women's sports. You know, Mm -hmm. for University of Portland, we had Megan Rapinoe and her sister, Rachel. Yeah. We Mm -hmm. had Shannon McMillan. So these are college soccer stars that people showed up Mm -hmm. for, like they sold out the stadium for, and that's college. Uh, When we had the Portland Power, there was people in those stadiums. Mm -hmm. When we had the Portland Fire, it was the number one attended WNBA game in the country. Mm -hmm. And then we have the Portland Thorns, which are like the most fanatical sports fans in the entire world as far as soccer goes. (laughs) And then, you know, obviously we have colleges that have also been cranking out like female athletes like crazy. Yeah, I was thinking about Sabrina Ionescu. Exactly. Portland and Oregon have been on the map for women's sports for a long time. Mm -hmm. And also like that liberal hub and, you know, women empowerment. Portland kind of embraces the little guy and innovation Mm -hmm. the way that some cities 
don't always, you know, we like things weird or, you know, uh, unconventional. So it's just the nice match. Yeah. So I thought that, you know, if a concept like this didn't work in Portland, it wouldn't work anywhere else. So I saw you started the petition for a W team in Portland. Mm -hmm. (laughs) What would you call a team if the WNBA put an expansion team in Portland? Like with the name? Yeah, the name. I have the name for it. Okay, so it would be the Portland Trident. Okay. Because Portland has a statue. It's called Portlandia. Uh And she holds a trident. And the trident stands for Mm -hmm. the three things that built, supposedly, the economy here Mm -hmm. in Portland. I think it's like timber, fishing, and industry or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But yeah, Portlandia is like my favorite statue in all of Portland. She looks like an image of just strength to me, Mm -hmm. like a boss ass bitch, right? Yeah. (laughs) With with her trident. So I just think like the Portland trident would be awesome. The merch just makes itself the Portland trident. What? Oh, it's going to look sick. It would look so sick. Yeah. You heard it here first, folks. (laughs) Seriously, money? I'm not sure I've told anybody that. So Okay. That is a Jenny exclusive that you got here on Rebound That's Revolution. Right. That's right. <laughs> if it happens, you know that it was right here. <laughs> Love it. Okay. Where can folks find you? So we have an Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's all the same handle at the Sports Bra PDX. And if you're in Portland, we're on 25th and Northeast Broadway. Come see us. Thanks again, Jenny, for coming by, for creating this community space that's rooted in celebration. I love it. Now, let's get into Watch Them Work, where I spotlight a W team who deserves their flowers. These teams are killing the game, or maybe not so much, but regardless, this is where I'm going to gush about them and tell you why you should have your eyes on them. This week, I'm watching the Las Vegas Aces. Don't have to spotlight the reigning champions because everybody is watching the Aces. I mean, from Aja Wilson being dubbed the official face of the league, even though we were all calling her that already, to Sid Colson being hilarious on Twitter, to signing the legend Candace Parker herself, the Aces have all eyes on them. Now, as a team, the Aces are most known for their personality. I mean, how could you not love a team with that much camaraderie and, like, charisma between them? I mean, they're on Twitter retweeting memes about each other and somehow find time to make TikToks at the Olympics. (laughs) Now, the Aces might not be known for their fashion, but they should be. I know the roster has changed up a little bit and a few of the fashion girlies don't play for the Aces anymore. But as a whole, the Aces might still be the best-dressed team in the league. I don't think I'm the only one still waiting for Asia to tell us where she got those retro WNBA jersey dresses from. And then there's Chelsea Gray, who is always fly and who somehow seems to have a short set and a jacket for any occasion. And baby hair productions, Candace Parker. I mean, she has her own shoe collection. And now she's with the Aces, too. Oh, and Kelsey Plum's off-season wedding photos were so adorable. And then you got Sid Colson, who gives us everything from high femme to cozy tomboy style. Now, Kirsten Bell doesn't get talked about nearly as much as she should, but her swaggy rock star uncle outfits are, are so cute. 
And how does Alicia Clark always look like she's fresh off of somebody's yacht? Oh, and yeah, they play really good basketball as well. They don't get much help as a team from the bench, even though they could because their bench players are so good. But that doesn't bother the Aces. They shoot the lights out every game. In their season opener, they beat the Seattle Storm by 41 points. Seattle Storm is a really good team, a championship team, and they beat them by 41 points. Everybody on the team scored, and seven players had more than 20 points. So everyone's watching the Aces as the reigning champs. But who else do you think might be a contender for the championship this year? Want to sound like you in the know when it comes to the W? I got you. This is Fundamentals, where I'll give you a rundown of something to make you look like you're the expert in the room. This week's Fundamentals is a double-double. Okay, so I was watching a game the other day with one of my friends who didn't know who Maya Moore was, and oh, I was heartbroken. <laughs> but it led me to think about double-doubles and how a lot of folks don't understand what a double-double is or how incredible of a feat it is. All right. So in the plainest terms I can put it, a double-double means that a player finishes the game with 10 or more in two out of the five major stats categories in basketball. Let me break it down a little bit more. So what are the five major stats categories? Well, of course, we got points, like how many baskets you made, or buckets, if you remember a former fundamental segment. (laughs) How many rebounds? So that means you catch the ball when it's coming down. An assist, or a form of fundamentals, a dime, when you pass it to a teammate and they end up scoring. A steal when you get the ball from the other team or a block, which is so exciting to watch when somebody's going up for a basket and you just smack that ball right out their hands. Mm. Asia Wilson and Brittany Griner, some of my favorite players to watch block somebody because they just do it so, so viciously. Oh, my gosh. May I never get blocked by Asia Wilson in my life. So a double-double means that you do two out of five of those things 10 or more times. So this might look like you having 10 or more points scored and 10 or more assists or any combination of those five. You get me? So if you rebound 10 times and you score 25 points, you got a double-double. If you rebound 10 times and you assist teammates in scoring 10 times, you got a double-double. It's really impressive, and it's actually the building block of even more impressive feats like triple-doubles. So if you can't tell, it's really hard to get these kind of stat lines, which means that they're very impressive. I also want to add, a double-double is a team effort. If you pass the ball to a teammate who doesn't end up scoring, you don't get that assist. If you and your teammates are blocking each other out and you can't get a rebound, 
Nobody gets the rebound, and it usually ends up going to the other team. You really have to play as a solid unit in order for somebody to get a double-double. So while the player is highlighted for the double-double, it really is a whole team effort. Rebound Revolution is an edit audio original podcast created in collaboration with The Cube. I'm your host, Money Mahitran, and this episode was produced by Melissa Houghton, Mick Finnegan, and me. It was edited, mixed, and mastered by Mick Finnegan. Our supervising producer is Anna Deshawn. Our executive producer is Steph Colburn. Thank you to Kathleen Speckert and the whole Edit Audio team. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.